Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode one of the Talking Floorball podcast, brought to you by the International Floorball Federation media team. Myself, your host, James, alongside my co-host and colleague, Murray. Murray, I know I'm in trouble for starting this podcast on Friday at four o'clock, but how are you doing otherwise? I'm doing good. Um, really excited about the weekend, as always. <laughs> and, I mean, what wouldn't you do for the IFF, for floorball? I mean, yeah, that's why we started this. We, we want to try and give the fans and give everybody around the world a English-speaking podcast. We know there's one other one out there. Shout out the Snowball podcast in um, Canada. But apart from that, there is not too much content in English for floorball. So our aim really with this podcast is to give you guys listening the the updates, news from different leagues around the world, top four leagues in particular we'll be focusing on, but also smaller stories from other countries that you may not have heard of. Uh, we'll be recapping certain news that we've covered in uh, our channels, our social media channels, our feed, and also talking about anything interesting. We'll get some ho- some co-hosts on in the future, some other co-hosts, some guests on, maybe do some interviews, different players, different people, try and give you some interesting stories from around the world of floorball that you might not have heard before. So really our, our aim with this podcast is to um, release it once a month and then we're trying to also do two smaller episodes around each world championships that happen two a year one under 19 one senior this year we have the men's under 19 world championships in Frederikshavn Denmark which takes place on the 26th of April so our aim is to get you a small preview of that event podcast before and a recap podcast afterwards uh, if all things go well but who knows in the world of media um, and then the content of each episode we're going to be talking about like we said news and topics stories anything that we may find interesting and also give you some behind the scenes looks and some more interesting things that you may not know about floorball so let's start off with um, talking a bit a little bit about ourselves introducing ourselves how we got here who we are Maddie. How did you start at the IFF and, and why are you at the IFF? Yeah, so um, floorball has always been part of my life. I started playing floorball when I was eight years old. I, I've also danced and played some football. My mom kind of would have wanted me to continue dancing a bit longer, but then I had to decide... Um, which hobbies I would actually keep. So then floorball became my number one. Can I ask what kind of dancing? Salsa? No, not salsa. It was kind of a mix of different different styles. We didn't have like one particular style because I was in, in different um, courses, which were for kids. So sometimes we had kind of like jazz, dance or different things. I think I also learned some hip-hop and definitely later on when I studied in the university, I learned some hip-hop, some, um, yeah, some different forms of, of dance. Also had one course in breakdance in, in the university, so that was really interesting. And also dance hall. Dance hall is the best, I must say. But I don't dance anymore. And this is not about dancing. It's about floorball. Welcome to the uh, dance podcast, episode one. <laughs> 
I don't know enough dancing that I could talk about it. But yeah, obviously then I chose to focus on floorball. And of course I can't say that my mom would have not approved floorball because she was then always, um, she always came to watch my games, which was super nice. And floorball kind of um, became the thing in our family, which was really, really cool. Um, in in 2012, I started to study sports sciences, social sciences of sport in the University of Uvascular. So I moved to Uvascular. So of course, my studies also has something to do with sports and especially um, kind of the management side. And then 2015, I moved to Germany to do my exchange um, semester there. I lived in Cologne for three years. In 2016, I started my master program. I also played one season in Germany, uh, in Bonn. That was a really, really fun time to be there and also play floorball and also tell people about floorball because when I was studying at the university, at the German Sport University in Cologne, not many people knew what floorball was. So for some people, it was the first time to learn about floorball or see floorball. So that was, that was also very interesting for me coming from Finland where everyone knows what floorball is, actually going to Cologne, Germany and actually having to explain people what it is um, because of course they know what hockey hockey is or like field hockey or uh, hall hockey it's so. a good thing you didn't study in the uk you would have had a lot more explaining to do I can yeah tell you that for sure <laughs> yeah that that might have been the case um and then 2016 i was looking for internships and by that time, I kind of realized I want to work in a sport organization, possibly in an international one, because I had been studying in English and I kind of loved speaking English. So and also I love I love the international vibe and having like colleagues from different countries and coming from different cultures. So that was interesting to me. And then Obviously, because of my floorball background, I applied an internship uh, from the IFF. But at the time in 2016, they didn't have any any possibilities to offer me an internship or a job position. So two years later, in 2018, when I had, I had decided that I will start looking for a job or internship from Finland and I had started the process that I will... I will probably want to move back to Finland. I contacted IFF again and then they told me they might have something. And actually at that point the internship um, changed to a full-time position, which was of course good news for me and also made it very easy um, to move back to Helsinki. Oh, moved back to Finland, not back to Helsinki. I had never lived in Helsinki before. Um, so 20, 2018, uh, in August, I moved back to, back to Finland. Um, and in September, I started working for the IFF. So I've been here for four and a half years now. 
and it's been fun. And what about you? Floorball was new to you, and now you are a floorball expert. Well, unfortunately, it comes with the accent. Whenever you speak with an accent of mine, people think that you're an expert on whatever it may be. But uh, no, I mean, I I started off volunteering. I mean, I I'm a sports management graduate from university. I've always been interested in sport and. I studied sports management and graduated from the University of Gloucestershire in the UK. Where I'm British, as you may hear, but also half Slovak. And my whole life I've been um, sort of just obsessed with sports. Tennis was my main sport growing up and then I uh, watched lots of ice hockey, football, um, tennis, played it, watched it, uh, handball even as well I watched. So it, everything was really interested in the world of sports I, I was really interested in. Um, I, I came to volunteer at the World Championships floorball in Helsinki and originally I think I was offered like some kind of court ceremony role. Like, you know, the... I'm sorry, what? Yeah, like, <laughs> you know the people who do the dancing and, and the... Um, before, like, the matches like the opening ceremony the dancers and ah, stuff like that you were offered yeah. that kind of position yeah. dance position yeah <laughs> so originally <laughs> i was gonna be a, a dancer or something like that I can't, I can't remember exactly what it was it was just a generic role at the time but then someone dropped out and they offered me the role of team guide which is what i really was hoping for from the beginning was it better than dancing well, you know, I can't dance, so <laughs> I think it's better for everyone else that I wasn't there. <laughs> um, and yeah, I got a Team Denmark, and um, it was just like a brand new world opened up to me after that. Like, I just saw behind the scenes how tournaments, events worked, and I got so into the idea of working for a federation or, or an international organization and sporting governing body, anything like that. And I did some more volunteering, um and really immediately after the world championships i i contacted my contact uh, who's my supervisor at the world championships from the finnish federation and she got me a uh, interview with john lillejund who is the general secretary of boss big boss of the iff many of you may know him and um it went from there i got an internship for 6 months which turned into 7 months and then um, I got very lucky with um, a staff member who um, was on maternity leave and then decided not to not to come back to the job. Uh, she uh, decided to move on to other things and also I believe to be more with her family. And um, it just so happened that as I was an intern at the time, I, I think either it was they liked me or they just didn't want to do a job search. So... I uh, I got the I got the role as um in the beginning social media, uh, media and communications, which is what we both do now. Um, but then that has now developed and evolved into anti-doping as well. So uh, anybody out there from a from a federation, any athletes who sends any TUEs, hi, I'm the person who receives your emails. Uh, so <laughs> if you have any questions about anti-doping, then um, you can always email the email address for anti-doping, which can always be found on our website, floorball.sport. But apart from the boring stuff, um, yeah, I, I was a, uh, going back to how I came into this job and I was a 
team guide for Czech Republic at the Ice Hockey Under-18 World Championships. And um, it was it's a number of other roles I did and opportunities. And um, I got the full-time position in September of last year. And yeah, I just feel very, very lucky and very blessed to be in an organization such as this and in a sport such as this, which really I barely knew anything about, to be honest with you, before Helsinki. Um, obviously, using my ice hockey background and, and knowledge helped, and um, having watched ice hockey my whole life, it, the, the drawing similarities between the two sports has helped. And I fell in love with the sport. I now play it. I try to, you know, as a half British, half Slovak guy living in Finland, the level's a bit high for me here, but I, I find some groups to play with. Uh, so, so it's not bad. Yeah, we had a good time last summer when we were coaching the Ukrainian kids as well. So you have experience from um, coaching. Yeah, yeah, I was a tennis coach on and off, part-time, full-time for 10 years back in the UK. That's my background. And um, yeah, it's funny going to coach tennis to going to coach floorball, which I knew very basic elements at the at the start and almost felt like I was going to accidentally start coaching tennis at one point, hold the stick up by my well, side yeah we saw many high sticks so that could have also been tennis yeah i think sometimes. i think i almost got decapitated by one uh one little kid and i think one kid you were on a breakaway in, a, <laughs> in one of our practice matches and one just kid just absolutely put his stick between your legs and you just went flying i remember that that was quite good yeah it got dangerous at times so really a big respect to all floorball coaches you're doing a good job of all ages, you know, even adults, I'm sure, are not easy to deal with. So. Yeah, definitely. So moving on, what about, Maddie, you've been here since 2017? 2018. 2018, sorry. What's been the most sort of memorable, funny or interesting moment from all your time at the IFF? I guess mainly events is the most hectic and crazy thing, but is there anything that stands out? Yeah, I think, I mean, events are definitely the best part in this job. I would say. And there are many funny memories, funny moments um, that have happened to me or someone else. Uh, but I could say the under-19 World Floorball Championships in 2019 in Halifax, Canada. When I was supposed to do a post-game interview with um, one of the Slovenian players and somehow the whole team came to the interview and I think they were singing and they were laughing and they were having a good time and obviously that that really wasn't an, like an official interview or anything and what was even funnier is that actually one of the players was behind the camera not me so I don't know what happened at that point but it was just really funny we were all laughing and that's that's one of the things I I definitely remember. So yeah, of course there are many many other things as well, and of course in this job, we have been able to travel to different places, and yeah, it has been very very exciting, I could say. We were pretty privileged to go to the World Games, which is basically the Olympic Games of sports that aren't in the Olympics, and that was like a completely different experience to say a qualifying event for the men's or the women's world championships or an under 19s so 
that that was really that was a really interesting thing. I I think so many sports, and I think the athletes really enjoyed it as well. All the all the players really loved going to other sports. I mean, I remember vividly seeing the Canadians with their shirts off at lacrosse, supporting the Canada lacrosse. Oh yeah, they did that. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure that was probably the uh, the only thing that we can say that they did during the whole event. But. Um, overall it's it's amazing and and it really is like i've only been in in this role myself for a year but already i can see how much of a family it is and how much time people put into events and setting up and match secretariats to volunteers and everybody else is compared to other sports a lot of people say this but compared to other sports this is a real close-knit community and um, people really respect each other not only for the amount of effort everybody puts in from players to staff but to just the 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 organizations and everybody basically most people do this from the love of their their heart for the sport so that's really nice to see yeah and also talking about somehow dedication and this kind of iff family or floorball family we only have eight full-time employees in the federation nine employees in total so um that's also a, a big thing, I think, because when you think about these bigger federations, you think, okay, they have a lot of persons w- working there, yet they have a lot of resources and things like that. So we are fairly a small federation still. and But that also creates that feeling of, you know, having a sort of family. Yeah, and I think the perfect example of that was my first ever event. I went to Chilano in Italy uh, for the Men's World Championship qualifying last year, 2022. And um, there was the Czech Republic and Slovakia, like two of the top 10 nations, top eight. Um, Czech Republic always fighting for uh, gold and, and always getting a medal at every World Championships. And Slovakia, who are in in recent years, I, I think definitely going up and getting better. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you had Ivory Coast who all their players, you know, they train outdoors and, and they train um, sporadically. They don't have the biggest number of players, so they can't really get a league going in the country, and, and that's just down to the numbers. But um, you could just see, like, the passion and how everybody treated them and, and how they were so just excited to be there. And, and in particular, I remember when when it was announced and people were like saying on social media about how oh like you know like are they really going to enjoy playing and and losing like mm. by big numbers and no matter how many goals went in i it was always like positivity and and uplifting and then just to see them score i think it was four goals in total throughout the throughout the event but that first goal in particular against austria just like <laughs> And the whole play, there wasn't. It wasn't even full. The stands. It was like half empty. But the it, the place almost blew up when they scored, and that was that was amazing. So, uh, and they stayed until the end, and they were watching and supporting Slovakia in the stands when Slovakia beat Czech Republic, and so that was that was really nice to see. And um, they they got a lot of souvenirs, I think, going home as well. So. Uh, <laughs> and even now, uh, a couple of days ago, Marcel, uh, the goalkeeper and the president, um, he, he posted about how they did a big initiative on Women's Day and they got almost looked like hundreds of, of young girls and, and women to 
try floorball, participate, and that's really something great to see in, in countries where floorball isn't isn't that big. So, yeah. um, big respect to you, Marcel, and the Ivory Coast Federation for that. Definitely, shout out to Marcel. So we'll move on to more news from this week and and from this month since this is our first podcast and episode number one. Um, there were 77 members, so we now have numero 78. I don't know what 78 is in Spanish, but... I yeah. also don't know. We have to find out. <laughs> numero 78, Mexico. So welcome, Mexico, to the Floorball family. Uh, it's good to have you here, and uh, we appreciate you joining, and hopefully... The America's qualification is always a bit lonely for America and Canada, so hopefully we can see uh, Mexico in the future, maybe Brazil. Uh, we know there's a large floorball community in Brazil, so try and get those America's qualifications going up and uh, in numbers. I believe we had, was it Jamaica before? I think Jamaica, yes. They participated in some of the America's qualifications. In Jamaica, That's if right. you ever want to come back into qualifications, let us know. Yeah. We'll be happy to have you. And uh, one more piece of news uh, recently is uh, congratulations to the USA women's team. Uh, they are the last team to qualify for Singapore. They beat Canada 8-2 over two games. It was a two-game leg over two games in one weekend. And um, would we say a surprise there? Or I, I, I feel like most people would have been predicting the USA to go through, but Canada definitely getting better. I, I think I saw a stat that said the last time they played each other was something like 21-1 to the USA. So there's definitely improvement in Canadian women's floorball, and we saw that with the under-19s team in Katowice, and there were several players from that under-19 team playing in the qualifications in Toronto. So Yeah, definitely. It's always, that's good development for Canada, for sure. Also in organizing these events. So that's that's very good to see. We'll talk about now the WFCQ events. So all the World Football Championship qualifying events that happened earlier this year. We'll go in chronological order and me and Mari will talk about the events that we were at and then we'll do a quick summary of the ones that we weren't at. Uh, so Mari, do you want to begin with uh, Spain and the under-19 men's qualifications? Yeah, sure. So I was in Spain in El Escorial. In Escorial. Carlos, if you're listening, please send us through the perfect pronunciation of that. Thank you. El Escorial in Spain. Um, yeah, which was a really good event. Actually, the organizers had been promoting the event quite heavily. So. Um, it got a lot of media coverage as well. For example, Tele Madrid had a short piece of news about the qualification event on their site. Marca, the Spain's national daily sport newspaper, also covered the event. So it actually got a lot of media attention, which was amazing. Um, for the games where Spain was playing, of course, there were many people cheering for them. And the stands were full, so that was that was really good. Um, Estonia and Slovenia qualified to the final round. Um, 
one of the most interesting things in this event was, of course, that the last match of the event decided who will qualify. So we had the excitement all the way until the end of the event because um, before the last game, Slovenia, Hungary and Spain were all, they all had possibilities to qualify for the final round in Denmark. And the last game, Slovenia versus Spain, then decided that, okay, Slovenia will go to the under-19 world championships. And if I will talk about my experience, uh, I went to Austria in Salzburg for the qualification event there. And... Um, it was it was quite close actually. Um, obviously going into that, uh, Norway were the highest ranked team in qualifications, uh, just having missed out on direct qualification uh, from the championships last time, and they pretty much easily breezed through uh, most of their games. Uh, very high scoring, very well, very well drilled. A lot of the players playing in the top Norwegian leagues. Um, getting the chance to play, uh, having the clubs let them take some time off for the week so that they could play in their competition, which is what the team manager told me, which is always nice to hear. Um, and for the rest of the teams, it was quite, it was, it was, it was closer than I think some people expected. I think a lot of people thought Austria would breeze through. And even though things were decided before the last day, it, when you, when you looked at the table by the end of it, it looked very, very close. And, um, Austria, even though they lost to Belgium on the last day, they, they came through and qualified as the other team with Norway, uh, winning three of their games and losing two. Uh, obviously, one to Norway and one to Belgium on that last day. Things were very close in between the other games. Uh, every, every team got points, at least. France got two draws, could have won a number of games. Uh, they were just so back and forth with their with their play and it was really exciting to watch every French game because there was chances on both directions and very quick on the counter so that was fun to see and Great Britain even though they finished second last in the group they had three of the top four scorers of the tournament they had an absolutely fire line uh, that top line for for GB and that's definitely three players to look for going forward uh, in Theo Sire, Ben Eldon and Robin Hickle who were really on fire the whole the whole week and Belgium as well who were I definitely think were underrated coming in and not many people gave them chances and having seen them beat Netherlands and and then beat Austria it shows you that floorball sometimes is really a game of centimeters and anything can happen on certain days so yeah I'm getting props for that from Maddie but <laughs> I always tell you anything can happen in floorball and yeah, if 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 Belgium didn't, Belgium were up three zero in their game against France, and and France came back to draw that one, and that's how Austria qualified, and they just got one more goal, and it could have been different. We could have been talking about Belgium going to the under 19s World Championship, but it's not the case. And yeah, so the event that's going to take place in Frederikshavn in Denmark on the 26th to the 30th of April will have. 16 teams competing. Uh, all the teams competing are Czech Republic, Sweden, Denmark, Norway, Finland, Switzerland, Estonia, Slovenia, Latvia, Germany, Austria, Australia, Poland, Slovakia, 
the USA and Singapore. Uh, Singapore and Australia qualifying from their AOFC qualification, which happened last year. Uh, that was between them and New Zealand. And America, of course, playing who else but Canada in their qualifications, which happened in Draper in Utah last year also. Moving on, Mari. Oh, one more point from you. Yeah, can I just say, obviously, really feeling bad for Hungary because they had to watch the game in Spain. They were actually watching the last game between Slovenia and Spain. And when they realized that they are they are not going through and they will not qualify, that was, that was kind of devastating to see. And also, um, the hung- Hungarian... Bendegus Botsoni won the scoring leader. Uh, he was the scoring leader of the event. So also from that point, they played really well, but that just wasn't enough this time. It reminds me of another Hungarian who is a very good scorer in Nora Lelovic. Uh, she was the top scorer, top point scorer last year in the under-19 women's or championships in Poland. So Hungary, very good at producing some high-scoring talents. For sure. So we'll move on from the men's under-19s. We'll go to the women's World Championship qualifying. We spoke about America, uh, the USA playing Canada and qualifying. Uh, we'll move on to the Europe ones now. So, Mari, you were in Latvia. Um, you were looking at two qualifications group there. You were there watching the tournament. What, what did you think? Yeah, well, first of all, um, no surprises, really. The expected teams qualified. Um, Sweden dominated year one. Finland dominated year two. So that was kind of something we expected, I could say. Um, I have to say Sweden are looking really strong thinking about the final round in Singapore. And they might just go and take their ninth consecutive WSC gold. Jeez. Those are big words, I gotta say. But at the same time, they are the reigning champions in the women's, in the men's, in the women's under 19. Men's under 19 is the only category where they are not. So, I mean, it's it's also the way how they are preparing for their matches. They look so focused. They do everything. Um, I don't know. They are just giving hundred percent in everything they do. And in ev- for every game as well, it doesn't matter who is their opponent. They will just go and do their best. Um, so, yeah, that's that's how it looks like to me. And obviously, Vilma Johansson was the top scorer in year one with 27 points. That's quite impressive. And Vera Kaupi was the scoring leader in year two with 21 points and also want to give a, a special shout out to Pontus Bowman, the goalkeeper coach of Sweden, who definitely showed fair floorball, um, thanking their opponents and really um, cheering for them, kind of, yeah, being really super respectful and thankful to their opponents and also showing a good example how to how to play those games. Yeah, Pontus was also the goalkeeper coach for the under-19 squad that won in Katowice. And uh, 
they won in a shootout. So he's got something about him about telling the goalies what to do and how to do it. And definitely a very well respected and very high, highly regarded coach in the in the game of floorball. Yeah, definitely. Mari, did you find any standout players like unsung unsung talents who some people may not have known about before these qualifications? Well, if anyone followed the Under-19 World Championships last year in Katowice, of course, we saw many talented players um, in that event as well, and especially in, the, in Team Sweden, who won the whole thing. And now, the, some of these young players also represented the women's team in Kotsani. So, for example, Hannah Nordstrand, Saka Mtel from the Under-19 team were also there in the women's qualifications, played really well. Hanna Nordstrand with 18 points, Saga Imtel with 17 points, uh, quite high on the top scorer list. And then one player from Norway, Ida Sundberg. Definitely an interesting young talent born in 2003 really promising new star for Team Norway, I would say. And uh, also, uh, Rika Hansen, our social media ambassador. Uh, she played pretty well, I think. I mean, she's always amazing. So. <laughs> no surprises there. Yeah, no surprises. Rika, we know you are amazing. And yeah, we can, we can always mention you. <laughs> no bias at all. <laughs> no, no. Ah, what about you? So you were in Italy and following the qualifications there. How did it look like to you? Yeah, in the aptly named Bella Italia village. I um, love it. In Lignano Sabiadoro, which is just uh, east of Venice. I, I think a lot of the teams liked the location because uh, I always saw stories and posts on their off days of them going to Venice or walking along the beach. It may have been about seven degrees Celsius, but it's still... Uh, almost all the teams went on the beach to enjoy it, beach which was is, nice. Beach is a beach, like yeah. It yeah. doesn't matter how how warm or cold it is, but yeah. Euro three starting off with um the the usual suspects, as Mari would say, went through. Uh, Switzerland topped the group on eight points, followed by Slovakia, and Estonia, who all three of them qualified. Then Spain coming in fourth, and Ukraine rounding off the table. I actually went to the final day in this qualifying group, Spain playing Estonia in the final match, and um, it, it wasn't a big score, and uh, there were some, definitely some n nervy Estonian players and fans, but they came through, and they did quite well, and they uh, solidly rounded out the, the, the match and the qualifications to qualify. Uh, the big game, though, definitely was Slovakia-Switzerland. I mean... A, some people it may have given them flashbacks of Neuchatel um, with the amount of comebacks um, it was no matter whoever was in the lead it was an instant reply it almost seemed like um, there was no way anybody was getting in front for more than three minutes before equaliser was scored and the level was just unbelievable tempo um, Slovakia with a with a young core um, young core group of players who are they're bringing up into the senior team uh, Laura Chupekova, Lenka Cervena definitely two players who are really outstanding during this tournament 
um, alongside their more their veterans and their and their solid players like Captain Katarina Klapitova. And those three were really the stars for Slovakia during this tournament. And Switzerland had to use all of their experience and, and talent on show to to get the victory in the end against Slovakia. And they won by one goal. And the other matches went a bit more smoothly for them. But um, it definitely was uh, the match of the qualifications, in my opinion. I would definitely say the same thing. Actually, I was just going to say that that must have been the match of the qualifications because... It was so tight and so exciting. It it was definitely, and um, Isabel Gehrig, of course, finished top scorer, twenty three points in four games. Um, she's really, you know, doesn't doesn't really do the some of the fancy stuff that may make other players more visible, but she does the solid stuff and does always seems to get in a scoring position and always scores. It doesn't doesn't matter where the ball is, she knows where the ball is going to be. And she goes there and they always score. So that that was really, really cool to watch. And um also I definitely have to say it was it was always a pleasure watching my favourite player, uh Serena Fitzy from Switzerland, um play. Uh, we are allowed to have favourite players, I believe, even if we're at the IFF. Um always um it's always fun to watch her play. I, I really feel like she's a star of the future and plays with a really good solid all-round game both on defensively and going forward and um so yeah things went pretty standard in euro three maybe a quick shout out to ukraine coming to to the qualifications um thinking about how difficult life is in ukraine at the moment and the war is is still going on so was re- we were really happy to see Ukraine coming to the qualifications, to the women's qualifications this year, and the men's team being in the men's qualifications in Latvia last May. Yeah, and um, speaking to some of the team while we were there, a lot of them actually went back to Ukraine after the after the uh, the tournament. So um, some of them obviously have moved to other countries in Europe, but uh, a lot of a lot of the team, a lot of the group actually went back to Ukraine. Uh, Lviv, some in Kiev, um, some in, I think, one or two in Odessa as well. So um, definitely uh, puts things into perspective when sport is not the only the only thing on your mind, when you have other things going on, and it's not going to be the easiest to concentrate on on a, on a, on a match. So, yeah, yeah. big respect. And um, as always, uh, Ukraine floorball, going through a lot of things, going through a lot of struggles, but um, doing their best. We see a three-by-three league, and uh, they're trying to restart um, play, and particularly in the west of the country. So um, good luck with that, and we wish you all the best. Definitely. And we'll move on to Euro 4 now, and this is the this one This one is the talking point of the qualifications for sure. Um, we'll start off with the, with the table, and, and Czech Republic quite convincingly winning as well all four matches they won um they had a their closest match of the tournament was definitely against second place poland um, i think polish polish players were definitely up for it a lot more than the czechs i think czechs were a bit slow to start almost like a steam train they were a bit slow out the blocks but they they picked up speed and then they they showed why they are one of the best women's teams in the world uh, poland otherwise really really well played throughout the whole tournament very solid and um, they they pushed the Czechs, and we've seen that now that it's not just the top four anymore. Even though both 
Poland and Slovakia lost in their matches. Poland to the Czechs and Slovaks to the Swiss. They push. They really push them, and this is something to definitely keep an eye on going forward. That it's um, how long will we say that there's a top four in floorball? We don't know, but it's definitely getting to the point where I think a lot of the a lot of other teams are pushing the top four teams. Yeah, definitely, and we might see some some surprises. Oh, we cannot even say surprises really. But we might see something exciting. I'm saying exciting again, but that's that's what floorball is. But yeah, already in Singapore in the end of this year, you never know. Anything can happen in floorball. And talking about surprises, I think the biggest surprise of the qualifications, maybe for some, uh, maybe for others, they expected it. Uh, France, and congratulations to the French women's floorball team, uh, France have officially qualified for the first ever World Floorball Championships in the history of the Federation. So congratulations to the women's team, all the players, uh, Jocelyn, the head coach, who was I thrilled beyond words, I, I think is not even an expression to describe that. Um, I'm surprised that he didn't fall into the canals in Venice while the team was celebrating. Um, and it was it was truly a very good very 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 tight and very good contest between the last three teams in the group France Hungary and Italy it was extremely close in the three matches between each other and France um, definitely definitely showed that even though offensively they may not be as strong as say other countries uh, defensively they're definitely very good and solid and compact as a unit and really willing to throw bodies on the line, block shots and uh, in net as well. Uh, one of the standout players of the, of this event was Zuzana Kandrichkova, um, goalie for the French team. Uh, yes, it's not a very French-sounding name, but um, she is Slovak of origin, but uh, settled and now is a French citizen. And she played out of her skin in the matches that mattered and really helped the the French team especially in the match against Hungary where she kept a clean sheet and uh, they won by one goal to zero and that was really the turning point for the tournament for them and uh, they started off well with that win and um, they got a draw against Italy and uh, she made a last second stop on a breakaway against the Italians the Italians had a breakaway with wow. two seconds to go and she made the stop there as well so but Really, as a whole team, they played really well, and and it's so beautiful to see moments like that when you have a team that's never qualified before, and they earn it, and and it was through completely their own their own volition, and they they earned that win, they earned the the draw against Italy, and they they earned their qualification. So we can't wait to see you in Singapore, France, and congratulations yet again. I think as a whole as well, the the, the from Euro 4, uh, it would be a, a miss without mentioning two other players. Uh, top scorer Anna Bruhachkova from the Czech Republic. 19 assists and 7 goals for 26 points in 4 games. Uh, just, yeah, just... Um, it's almost like watching someone floating. You know, when you when you see someone and they, they're not running, but they're almost like gliding or floating. Yeah, when it's too easy mm. for them. Like she was on ice skates almost. Yeah. So definitely, definitely a really good performance from Burhajkova and one to watch for the future. And also from the Polish team, uh, Zuzana Krzyzak, really, uh, I think five goals 
for the first five goals against um, the Czech Republic scored by Poland were all by Klojak and she scored 13 goals in total over four games and for th- 13 goals, three assists for 16 points. So she was really on fire as well in certain matches and um, carrying on her her efforts playing in the Czech League herself. So she's a very high-rated player. So moving on from that, we have all 16 teams now qualified for for Singapore uh, from the Americas regions, as we said, it was the US and from the AOFC we had an extremely tight nail biter, didn't we, Mari? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Australia, Japan, Thailand. Oh, wow. That was a very, very interesting last, or second last day, yes, um, for the teams. And what was even more interesting was because basically the qualified teams had already been decided during the second last day and the final day on the final day they played the pl- placement matches if i'm correct yes um correct. so it was so interesting to see in the match between japan and Aust- australia when they had no idea they had qualified or australian players i think jazz told us that she knew and some of the other players probably the players knew but maybe they didn't want to celebrate as much because the Japanese players were not sure if they qualified or not. So they were all just standing there and they just, they had no idea. And then all of a sudden, the Japanese coach tells the team that, okay, we have now qualified. And the moment when the players realize they will be in Singapore, that moment was so precious. And the video is the best it's from the from the very end from the very end of the game and then they all just celebrated together then the the team australia joins team japan and they are just celebrating and they are so happy and they are over the moon and it's amazing it it was a very strange like way that that came to happen like with a three-way tie um in the group stages, Thailand uh, got the win against Japan. Very important win. And Australia uh, beat Thailand. So when it came to that final matchup between Japan and Australia, Japan knew they had to win to qualify. Uh, but then the confusion was about goals scored, whether it was total goals in the whole group, but then it was actually between the three of them. It was a mini tie break. And uh, it came down to goals scored between the three matches that they played. And uh, unfortunately, Thailand who did score a lot of goals in the tournament, but they didn't score as many in those three matches. In those two matches, they played against Thailand, against Australia and Japan. And it was like you said, it was just something to behold. Australia lost to Japan, but they knew that most of them knew that it qualified, so they didn't want to really celebrate too much because they were like, oh, we just lost. Yeah. But then Japan won and thought, okay, we have to wait for the next match. To- exactly. Like, other team lost. They don't want to celebrate it because they lost. Other team won, but they still want to celebrate. Like, although they won the game. it's. And then you have Thailand just waiting and going, no, we still have a chance, right? And we're like, I'm sorry. Oh, no, and that's crushing just, those dreams. It's mm. just it's hard to go and play a game 
when you think that you're going to win, when you think that you ha- still have a chance of qualifying, and then to be told, no, sorry, it's gone. Yeah. So definitely definitely some rough times but it's a unique situation we don't often see in qualification when it goes down to goal difference between three teams for two qualified spots or even one qualified spot so um that was um that was a very interesting and unique scenario definitely yeah so um i think moving on we we've we've covered every topic and um all that's left really is to say thank you for listening to episode 1 uh, the next big IFF event, as we mentioned, is the Under-19 Men's World Championships, which will take place in Frederikshavn in Denmark at the end of April, 26th to the 30th of April. Uh, tickets, of course, for that event are available. Uh, all you need to do is go to the Under-19 WFC page, either on Facebook or Instagram, and find the ticket link in the bio, or you can always search up the website WFC 2023, under19wfc2023.com and get your tickets there if you're planning to go and visit and watch some high-quality, world-class floorball. Yeah, definitely high-quality. These are all talented players and, you know, it will be a very good event, I would say. Yeah, they say Frederikshavn is like the, the Palm Beach of Denmark. So... We'll be interested to see if it's warm enough. It will be interesting see to see if the IFF media has enough free time to actually go to the water park of our hotel. That's the most interesting question. And and the the check out the beaches as well and see whether they actually do have palm trees as the tourism board advises. Uh, if you enjoyed this one, then feel free to let us know. Drop us a message on Instagram or rate the the show as you would do uh, maybe save it to your episodes if you're listening to this on spotify our plan is to release one episode every month and then do smaller episodes around each wfc so that's two episodes per wfc four per year special episodes and any suggestions any comments anything you'd like us to talk about in the next episode let us know but uh, otherwise That's a wrap from episode one of the Let's Talk Floorball podcast. And uh, from myself and Mari, thank you. Thank you. Bye.